and welcome to episode 9 of my podcast, Mrs. Burke, A Voice for Inclusion. Happy Friday. As we head into this Labor Day weekend, I spent time in the past few days taking care of items I needed for onboarding at my new school job as a speech-language pathologist. According to the U.S. Department of Labor at D. OL.gov. Labor Day is observed the first Monday in September and is the annual celebration of the social and economic achievements of American workers. I already completed the pre-employment drug test. I also turned in my COVID-19 vaccination record card, which showed that I was detained at Chicago Reed Mental Health Facility on May 27, 2021. Although I asked for the COVID-19 vaccine multiple times while detained, I did not receive it until July 9th, 2021, which was the day I was discharged. Before I was detained, I was homeless and living in my car. I never was tested for COVID-19 before I entered the Chicago Reed Mental Health Facility. Although it was a judge in Cook County at the court who detained me without meeting me, it was the Chicago police who had to pick me up and bring me to Chicago Reed Mental Health Center. I'm guessing the police never had funding to have people tested for COVID-19 before having to put them in their police cars since I was not tested. Since Chicago Reed claims to be a medical facility, I am surprised I was not given a COVID-19 questionnaire, testing, or temperature check when I entered the facility. At other places, these measures were put in place to prevent people from dying from COVID-19. I cannot believe there were no COVID-19 safety measures at the state facility in Chicago. Then, right in the front lobby, I asked the staff at Chicago Reed Mental Health Facility for my court paperwork so I could see why I was being detained. The staff at Chicago Reed would not give me the court paperwork. I knew I had not broken any laws. I was confused by why I was detained. I was just verbally advocating to see my court paperwork when the staff at Chicago Reed used physical restraints on my ankles and on my wrists. This was done right in the front, uh, right in front, in the lobby, in front of the Chicago police. I was not a harm to myself or anyone else. I have actually taught many of my high school students to verbally advocate for themselves as part of their communication skills. What good is verbal advocacy at Chicago Reed if staff put you in actual restraints for it? It is inhumane and unethical. As part of my onboarding for my new job at a Cook County school outside of the city of Chicago, I was required to turn in an employee health record and doctor examination. I filled out a health history form for them. As I filled it out, I realized no one at Chicago Reed Mental Health Facility ever asked me any questions to get a health history from me. 
this is extremely dangerous and unethical because after I walked to the locked unit in restraints, the staff gave me a shot of some sort of pharmaceutical medicine that seemed to sedate me. They never gave me a pregnancy test, asked if I was allergic to any medications, or took my medical history before giving me that medication. Again, I was not a harm to myself or others. I was just verbally advocating to see my court paperwork, which I did not receive until later. I still shudder when I think about this because I fell asleep and don't remember anything after. I seem to be sedated against my will. I really hope nothing bad happened to me. If something bad did happen, I would have no way of knowing because I was drugged against my will. That really still scares me. I found my discharge instructions and medication list from Chicago Reed Mental Health Center and turned it into my job since it contained health information with a doctor's signature. My discharge instructions and medication list said no psychiatric medications, regular diet, no physical restrictions, medically stable, and denies pain. No one asked me about my pain. Emotionally, I did not feel good after being at Chicago Reed. Follow-up instructions just said to follow instructions from the medical doctor, which were no psychiatric medications and social worker. My functional assessment at the time of discharge had checked that I am unassisted for activities of daily living, mobility, walking, managing medications, shopping, meal preparation, housework and laundry, and money management. I used to contract through the Illinois Early Intervention Program through IDHS, so there is a long list of families in Chicagoland who know me since I provided speech-language services for years in their homes. I loved working for the Illinois, the IDHS Early Intervention Program. The only problem was the very delayed payments I received from whomever was managing the money. The payments were so delayed and sporadic, my own family incurred late fees on our bills due to the late payments. I'm guessing there is a record of that, but I don't have it since my husband stole all our joint money and I no longer can access our money and haven't been able to for months. Another form I filled out as part of my onboarding process for the school was the Employment Eligibility Verification Department of Homeland Security U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Form I-9. If employers are required to have people fill this form out, how were immigrants getting jobs or feeding their families during the former President Trump's zero-tolerance policy? If they couldn't get a job for fear of being detained and could not get food because they had to put their name on government lists to get food, were people dying or being trafficked? Based on my recent experience in Chicagoland, I did find some immigrants that were detained with me at Chicago Reed Mental Health Facility. They were very nice people from what I could tell. Most people who come here from other places are coming for jobs and a better life to find safety, food, shelter, and employment. 
From what I remember from history classes, that is how most of us came to the United States. The last form I filled out and signed was the Illinois Department of DCFS Children and Family Services Acknowledgement of Mandated Reporter Status. That means that under the Abused and Neglected Child Reporting Act, 325 ILCS 5-4, I am required to report or cause a report to be made to the Child Abuse Hotline number, which is 1-800-25-ABUSE. Whenever I have reasonable cause to believe that a child known to me in my professional or official capacity may be abused or neglected, I take this responsibility very seriously. I take it seriously especially more than ever now because I know what it feels like to be abused since I was detained without due process by the court, restrained and given a shot of medication at Chicago Reed. I want to talk for a minute about DCFS reporting. Because I've worked in multiple schools in the state of Illinois, I know that as a mandated reporter, the protocol under the Abused and Neglected Child Reporting Act 325 ILCS 5-4 is to report child abuse to the DCFS hotline at 1-800-25-ABUSE. When I looked it up online, I saw that the Chicago Public School System has a different reporting system that does not follow the Abuse and Neglected Child Reporting Act 325 ILCS 5-4. According to the Chicago Public Schools website, cps.edu, CPS has an Office of Inspector General for the Chicago Board of Education which is the independent oversight body for Chicago's public, contract, and charter schools. CPS.org says the Inspector General strives to ensure integrity in the operations of Chicago public schools by conducting meaningful, accurate, and thorough investigations into allegations of waste, fraud, financial mismanagement, and employee misconduct. The Office of Inspector General at Chicago Public Schools has an Office of Sexual Allegations Unit that investigates allegations of sexual misconduct by a CPS-affiliated adult, including employees, contractors, vendors, and charter schools, where the victim is a CPS student and or minor. There is a phone number for the Sexual Allegations Unit at the CPS Office of Inspector General. I do not understand why CPS has its own Inspector General to investigate sexual abuse of children and minors. Mandated reporters are required to call DCFS hotline. Additionally, according to the Illinois General Assembly at ILGA.gov, 720-ILCS-5-11-1.50-2, it states, A person commits criminal sexual abuse if that person commits an act of sexual penetration 
or sexual conduct with a victim who is at least 13 years of age, but under 17 years of age, and the person is less than five years older than the victim. This is a crime, so I am not sure why CPS has a phone number for the Office of Inspector General instead of the Chicago Police. I thought Chicago Police investigated crimes in Chicago. In fact, according to their website, home.chicagopolice.org, the Chicago Police has a Special Investigations Unit SIU, that is part of a multidisciplinary task force operating out of the Chicago Children's Advocacy Center. It investigates allegations of the sexual assault and abuse of all children under the age of 13, as well as all family-related sexual abuse and assault cases where the victim is under the age of 18. It also conducts investigations into the use of the internet in the distribution of child pornography as well as the indecent solicitation of children. They have specially trained detectives as part of their special investigations unit. I am so happy that the Chicago Police has the special investigations unit. We need to keep all people, especially children and youth, safe in our communities. My concern is with the Illinois Constitution and laws. I did not find a law protecting child victims of sexual abuse under 13 years of age. Thank God for the Chicago police that has a special investigations unit. If someone knows of a law in Illinois that protects child abuse victims under 13 years of age, please do email me. arburke2001 at gmail.com I am very concerned about this. If there is not a law, we definitely need to make one. Dear God, thank you for the Chicago Police helping to keep children safe. Amen. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.